Welcome to the Who's on the Move podcast. I am your host, Alan Cooper. Today, as part of our leadership series, where we highlight people leading extraordinary change in South Carolina and beyond, the focus is leadership in law enforcement, policing. How do you lead a police force of over 700 uniformed officers and 140 non-sworn personnel in challenging times? In a time of escalating gun violence and in the era of post-George Floyd unrest and in the wake of the May 2020 protests and riots? We asked that question to the 2021 National Sheriff of the Year, Sheriff Leon Lott of the Richland County Sheriff's Department. The Leadership Series is made possible with the support of NP Strategy, a strategic communications firm comprised of former journalists, political insiders, and public relations executives. Learn more at npstrategy.com. Sheriff, talk about your journey to a career in law enforcement. I've been the sheriff for 26 years now. This is my 48th year in law enforcement, something I started uh, one month after graduating from University of South Carolina. Did not major in criminal justice, I majored in sociology. I chose a little bit different path, path than most cops do. Um, loved every minute of it from the very beginning to all the way to today. I think it's still one of the most challenging, rewarding careers that anybody could ever have. Uh, I look forward to coming to, coming to my profession every day. What inspired you to consider a career in law enforcement? Getting arrested at 16 years old for egging police cars. I got arrested for egging police cars and had a huge impact on my life. It uh, kind of got me going in the, the right direction. Not that I was a bad kid. It was just you know some teenage pranks that we did and I you know, got caught. And the way they helped me understand what I was doing was very dangerous, could have killed somebody. And it made me think twice about uh, decisions I was making as a teenager. And then in college, um, I realized that, you know, this is something I wanted to do was help people just like I'd been helped. Um, my career goal was play baseball, uh, be a professional baseball player. Played two years in college. I was, I, was, I was good, but I realized I wasn't good enough for the major leagues. So this was something I wanted to do. So kind of a strange story when people ask me that, what, what got you in the, in the profession? And I'll tell them being arrested, and it kind of, kind of takes them back a little bit. When did you start to consider a shift into leadership roles within policing? I started as a cop, and I'm still a cop. 48 years later, I'm still a cop. That's one thing I impress upon all of our people here. It doesn't matter what rank you carry, you're still a cop. You still carry a gun, you still wear that badge, and you're still going to be a cop. Um, did not have any desire to be a sheriff whatsoever. My goal when I got into this profession was to work in narcotics, um, work undercover narcotics. I was able to do that for nine years. Um, at that time, I was hired by Sheriff Frank Powell, and he gave me some unique opportunities. He gave me my first leadership um, uh, opportunities, and that was the lead in narcotics unit. Um, I'd been a, a deputy and been an investigator, and um, he saw something in me that I didn't realize, and, he put me in charge of the narcotics unit, and we grew it to where it was uh, over 30 people at one point, which was the largest in the state. And that started me in my leadership path. So if there's one person that was responsible, let me share Frank Powell, just the opportunity that he gave me uh, to go to various schools, to include the FBI National Academy, 
which only 1% of all law enforcement worldwide gets to go. I was selected to go in 1988. Uh, and really that's the um, graduate level of law enforcement is when you get to go to the FBI National Academy. Uh, they teach you a lot of leadership skills there. And then be able to come back to Richland County and, and, and use those and go from Richland County to being a police chief. I was a police chief of St. Matthews for three and a half years. And one thing I always said um, when I was in the ranks, uh, even as a deputy and investigator, that if I ever became a leadership position, there were certain things I were, was going to do and I was not going to do. I'd seen bad supervisors and I'd seen good supervisors. And I always took note of that and made sure that I was never going to be one of those bad supervisors who cared more about yourself than you do the people that uh, that you're leading. And so that's kind of been my cornerstone throughout my career. What is the core business of the Richland County Sheriff's Department? Our business is to sell safety. You know, we, we are a business and we have our customers. Our customers are the citizens that we serve. And so we have to have a marketing strategy. Uh, we have to do everything that any other business has to be successful. And I think a lot of law enforcement agencies don't look at um, what we're supposed to be doing that way. They think it's just all cops and robbers and going out and locking bad guys up. It's a lot more than that. It's about building relationships uh, with the citizens you serve. It's more about being proactive, uh, which is preventing crime and not just reacting to it. And so our business is to sell safety, uh, make sure our citizens are safe, and you do that by working with the citizens. So uh, we put a lot of emphasis on that. And just simple things that you might not realize as part of our marketing strategy is that you know, we have peace officers on the back of our police our cars. We have peace officers on the back of our uniforms, changing the image and the narrative of what we do. When we say we're in law enforcement, it really sounds like all you do is enforce the law, which is only a small percentage of what we actually do. Our job is to keep the peace. And you do that many, many ways. And uh, that includes arresting bad guys. There's so many other things that you do that's not arresting people, that you're selling our product, which is safety. I love the peace initiative. Tell us more about the origins of that. Uh, if you're the disciple of the Bible, it's blessed are the peacemakers, they'll be called the children of God. So, you know, we're peacemakers, we're peace officers. Uh, and that's, that's what we do is keep the peace. So when we were approached some years ago by an organization who are trying to improve relationships between those who wear the uniform and our citizens, you know, they said, you know, would you consider putting peace officers on your shirts and on your cars? And, and we did. Citizens loved it. But it's not just, just something you wear or something on the back of you. It's got to be a philosophy. It's got to be a belief that your people who work here wear this uniform understand that our job is to keep the peace. So when you're out there visiting a senior citizen and helping them when it's 150 degrees in their house and you get a fan for them, or you're helping a young child uh, make decisions or, or building friends with them, you know, that's, that's keeping the peace. It's not locking anybody up. So we were one of the first agencies to do that, and now it's taken off nationwide. It's kind of the, you know, the catch-all now is what can we do to improve relationships? And, and people are looking at us and saying, They've been doing this for years. Why don't we do the same thing that they've been doing? And after the George Floyd incident with riots and stuff, 
You know, everybody wanted to create citizens advisory councils and they wanted to do more with the community. We've been doing that for years. That's been our foundation that we built starting 26 years ago. That's why we didn't have the problems that you had in other areas because of the relationships that we had built, running it as a business. You know, I'm the CEO. I'm called a sheriff, but essentially I'm a CEO of a company. And, you know, we're selling that product and, and we're building a good foundation and a good reputation. And that pays off dividends when there's a critical incident. And we saw that with the riots where we did not have the problems that most areas had because the people here trusted us, believed in us, wanted to work with us, and that, that when you have that, you're not going to have the problems. What role does technology play in policing today? This profession is ever-evolving. Um, we realized, I realized that what we were doing 48 years ago when I started doesn't work today, and we have to change. And, and everybody resists change, particularly those in police work resist change. We're the opposite. We look for change. We are constantly looking, what can we do different that's going to make us better? We're good, but we just don't sit back. So what are we going to do? We look at technology. We look at what relationships we can build with other people. You know, we reach out. I'm, I'm an athlete. I've played sports my whole life and still like to do that. Building relationships with our university with athletic teams. You know, that's just not just going to a football game or basketball game. That's getting to know the players and letting them know us and building a relationship. These are the leaders of tomorrow or those who are playing our sports. Um, and, you know, they're going to leave, leave communities. So having a better understanding of who we are and the peace officer, what we do. So we've been able to do that over the years. It's, every football coach at the University of South Carolina invites me every year to come speak to the team. I've been doing that now for 20, 26 years. In basketball, Coach Dawn Staley and I are personal friends. She loves police work. She has her own uniform. She's a special deputy. She comes ride with a deputy. She don't ride as Coach Dawn Staley, the Hall of Famer and national championship. She's there as a citizen, and she rides and sees the deputies, and she's able to take that back to her players. I'm already scheduled to go speak to the football team that, you know, they start practicing about a week or so. It's already been arranged for me to speak to them. And I'll speak to them probably two or three times a year, depending on, you know, Co Coach Beamer. But that's something we've developed, and, and we do that. And you have to look for ways to reach out to people. It's all about building relationships. You, it, this is not an island. Sheriff's Department's not an island. We're not in a silo. We're just part of this community. So why not reach out to all aspects of the community? Technology plays a huge role in it. Um, when I started, there was no technology, basically. You had a radio in a car, and that was about it. Now we've got computers, we've got cameras, we've got body cams, everything now that you can, you can do on a computer. Uh, we learned during COVID how much you can do over Zoom calls. So why not do meetings with your community now if somebody can't come to you personally, you do it do a Zoom call with them. So you know, our deputies teach me every day. And that's another thing we pride ourselves on is I don't have all the answers, but I got 900 people who work here. That's 900 brains. Why not tap into that? So every deputy here, every employee here has a voice. To, uh, and that voice is to me. And I say, okay, what can we do better? What, what, what technology is out there? And so 
they lead this department. I'm just the one that says, yeah, that's a great idea, let's do it. But they come up with the ideas. You know, some 21-year-old that just graduated from, uh, from college has got lots of ideas. Why not listen to them? And that's one thing that when I started in 1975, my voice was not heard because I just got out of college. You didn't know anything. You've never been a cop before. You know, so we're not going to listen to you. And I had ideas back then. So I've always said, okay, we're always going to listen to people. And I think any company or any business, that's how they're successful. As the CEO surrounds herself with the best people who are smarter than he or she is, gives them a mission and the tools to do to do what that mission is, and then let them go do it. And, and, and have it everybody. I believe in the team concept, T-E-A-M, together everyone accomplishes more. And so this team here uses technology, it uses relationships, it's just everything we can to be successful. It is not just chasing a bad guy. It's so much more, um, but so much more than that. Talk about your department's participation in the TV show Live PD. When we talk about technology, we have to use all the means we have to build relationships. And you know, 450,000 people in Richland County, I can't personally talk to all of them, so how do we reach them? The TV show Live PD was the way to do that. Uh, it allowed us to go into people's homes uh, through their TV where they got to know us. It took the uniform off the deputy and let them see that real human person and find out that we're just, we're just humans who just happen to wear this, this uniform. So we use that market to get our message across. Again, selling our message, selling our product, which was safety and building relationships. So we used Live PD. That was the way to do it. And it was very, very successful. And, and we've taken our ideas and it's, again, we're not an island. We try to spread it, just like the peace officer and the priest also promised we spread that. We were able to do that in Iraq in 2010, uh, doing the, the war on terror. Um, the Iraqi police were, never had female police officers before. Uh, it was something new. We have females here, and we have high-ranking females. So uh, myself and one of my female captains were invited to go to Erbil in Iraq and teach the, the first class that they wanted to have with female police officers. You know, their culture there is that a man does not touch a woman unless that's their wife. So the instructors, you can't instruct somebody without showing them and, and sometimes physically touching them to show them. They didn't do that when we, we got there. By the time we were leaving, they were doing it. They realized that it was okay. So we helped change that culture a little bit when it came to, you know, their police officers. And, and, and they created a, a police force now of women. It's just women and men. So that, that was something unique and special that this department was able to go out into the world somewhere miles away from us and have an impact on, on, on this profession. Sheriff, what are you most proud of in terms of accomplishments at the department? Watching my deputies grow and become chairs, police chiefs, solicitors, um, heads of uh, higher ups in FBI, DEA, all these other agencies, watching them grow. To me, that's the greatest accomplishment that you can do is that, you know, somebody helped me climb that ladder of success, and what my job is is to reach down and help others climb that ladder. 
and being here as the sheriff for 26 years, I've watched them come in like I did at 21, not knowing anything, and now they're leading agencies. That, that's, that's, that's more rewarding than any plaque or trophy or anything that you can ever get. It's just watching somebody succeed. Tell us more about you personally and how you balance the rigors of the job with your personal life and interests. You know, to go back to Sheriff Frank Powell, um, when I was in charge of narcotics, I thought I could lock up every drug dealer uh, that ever existed. And all I wanted to do was work. And he sat me down one Friday afternoon. He said, there was drug dealers here before you got here. There's going to be drug dealers here when you leave. You go home and take care of your family, spend time. And I've always kept that. And that's kind of my basis, balancing my family, my kids, um, with the work. This work is important. It's very important. But long after this work's gone, your family's going to be there. So you got to make sure you take care of your family. Um, I love working out, love playing sports. I guess hunting is my, my if you want to have a stress release, I don't call it that, I just enjoy that. But my father taught me a long time ago when I first got into hunting and fishing, you don't um, shoot, or you don't kill anything or catch anything unless you're going to eat it. So I'm not a trophy sport hunter. I'm someone who's going to go kill an animal because I'm going to eat that animal. Um, so, but hunting, but spending time watching my kids and now my grandkids play, play sports, me still playing sports working out, not just, that, that's, that keeps me going. And finally, Sheriff, when you speak to young people today, what is your main message? Think before you act, make good decisions. Uh, think of the consequences of what your action is gonna cause. Um, and I think too many young people just react or don't think beyond that moment. And I want them to think. And, and so I press upon them Think about your actions. Think about <clears throat> is this something that your mama would approve of? And you know, think you ever listen to that little voice inside you called your conscience? It doesn't lie to you. It'll tell you that you're doing something wrong. But do you listen to it all the time? So it, the message is is to to make good decisions. Um, you got a lot of life in front of you. Don't throw it away for in an instant um, because of anger or greed or anything like that. Think about your decisions. And then when you do stumble and fall, you get back up. Failure is an event, not a person, unless you allow it to define who you are. We are gonna fall. I failed at 16 and got arrested. I didn't let that define me. I learned from it and, 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 and used that to grow. So well, life's a roller coaster, you're up and down. And you just gotta learn when you're down, that's when you got to work the hardest to get back up.